we talked earlier about uh, neuroscience and things like that, but mm-hmm. struggling with some of my own internal demons, mm-hmm. that Kafka quote, a non-writing writer mm-hmm. is a monster courting insanity. Mm-hmm. Um, that's neuroscience, that's... What he, the internal world. And so for the, for the person who, who has that call it a calling, mm-hmm. The problem is, you're, you know, you're taking in sensory information constantly, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you're trying to process it and you're seeing gestures and facial expressions. It, maybe that's what Kafka meant. Mm-hmm. You have all this information coming in. What do you do with it? Mm-hmm. Writers write. Yeah. They take it in and they process it and they, they have to somehow regurgitate it, get it out or else it kind of stays um, up here. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And so there's the monster Cordy insanity part where you just, just kind of like go around between taking, taking everything in and what do you do with this? And what do you do with that? What do you do with this? So it's a cathartic kind of process too. Yeah. But it is very profoundly my desire in writing was to um, balance out my own psychology. Mm. Balance out. Do you mean exactly like what you're saying? Like the writer quoting and Sandy having that way to release um, all of these things that are coming out. My whole life, I always kind of had that. Um, you know, you feel energy or you perceive it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe playing sports too, where you're, you you attenuate to ball movement, position player, but you know, you're just attenuating to your environment. And I mean, and again, that's that's a that's a definite phenomenon of the brain and writers probably have um, more of that, mm. you know, more uh, satellites taking mm. in all this incense information. Mm. I got to process it. And so I was trying to work some stuff out in, in, my, in myself mm. and I read that quote and I said, it's on game over. I'm going to give this a go. <laughs> and I started writing and he, Costco was right. It was, therapeutic it was cathartic it was mm. everything some maybe something i had been searching for my whole life and never really found that's crazy to think right like that you've been searching for something and then it took a quote as abstract and a quote as like something you could say as abstract as a quote and not even including the abstractness of the quote to finally put the pieces together and be and align the thing the motion so that you can say this is what i need to do yeah and you know like the work that you and cody are doing Mm. encouraging people to to listen to leaders and thinkers and and don't stop Mm -hmm. don't Mm because if i didn't read that quote Mm -hmm. i don't know what would have you know i wouldn't have had a lot of my issues have settled down Mm. um you know and it's you know an encouragement to keep because I think a lot of people feel mm. the clothes are on backward, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Just something's not quite right. Yeah. yeah. Sense, you know, they're living, they just sense, they just don't, something's off. And if people feel that, there, there are people who have felt that, who have pulled themselves out of it. Mm-hmm. And usually it's a great quote. It's a great book. It's a great song. It's a great, you know, it's something that propels them to, um, reorient from within. Mm-hmm. Mm. That makes any sense. Yeah, it, that's wild. 
that is why do you think that is why do you think it uh it's usually something to help reordinate from within why do you think that's the because, case you know, we talked about this at starbucks that <laughs> this is true the importance of self-awareness mm. Mm. it's so it's so important and i think often you know part of my book we discussed this too but um what what does the world tell us we should be or do? Our parents, our own internal stories, spouses, friends. The brain is compiling this information. It's trying to process all this information. But I think a lot of us spend decades never knowing who we really are. Mm-hmm. And so we're always wearing a mask in a sense. Maybe different a mask for a different context and you, you're trying to fit in here and try to fit in there and trying to, it's just the, the brain trying to figure out how to navigate the environment, mm-hmm. depending on the personality type, how to be in an environment and get what you want out of it, right? To, to mm-hmm. fit in, if that's your temperament or to gain leverage or whatever. Um, but self-awareness, Gabe, I think is mm-hmm. such an important um, element in, in all of this. And then that really comes, you know, back to neuroscience, knowing your brain, mm. how your structure, what your personality, your temperament, all these things are. Mm. I don't know if that answers your question or not. Okay. Was- yeah. So with that, um, let's let's dive right into the topic that we were planning that we were planning on. Um with so the connection between spirituality and neuroscience. You and I, we had that Starbucks conversation for like two or three hours, and it was that was so much fun. Oh my God. That was probably one of my favorite conversations this year. Um, to be totally honest, that was amazing. Um, and so I want to kind of share some of those experiences and share some of that uh, wisdom. And with, with those listening, I want other people to kind of get privy to learn and have the privilege that I did to hear some of this stuff from you. So <laughs> for sure, it was, it was, it was mutual. How's that sound? <laughs> Um, so what kind of connection do you see um, and have you noticed between spirituality and neuroscience? Well, I, th- I think um, neuroscience is such, we live in a time that is, I think we're in the forefront of like, um, for the first time in human history with, um, uh, you know, functional uh, imaging of the brain, really able to see what's going on upstairs for mm-hmm. the first time really in human history to really understand it. And the implications for every field, right? It changes everything. Um, but with respect to spirituality, it's, you know, spirituality, it's a, if we think in terms of definitions, it's a broad definition. Um, we can look at it from various religious traditions. Um, but I think that, and there have been studies showing, I just was looking at some of them, there's some great TED Talks on YouTube, what happens in the brain when people pray mm. and what happens in the brain when people connect, what happens in the brain when people meditate. And here we are the, for the first time in human history, seeing empirical evidence of, wow. Yes. And one of the areas, um, can't remember the name of it. It's very rich in dopamine, mm. um, which is this reward uh, hormone. And it also helps or neurotransmitter and it helps to kind of lay down better connections in, within the neurons. Mm. Those areas of the brain absolutely explode. Mm. And so you have these deep, 
very deep parts of the brain being stimulated um, and off, you know, really offering life-changing experiences for people. So without a doubt, they're looking at it and seeing it now. There is absolutely a connection. They, you know, kind of, they call it kind of the neurospiritual brain network. Is that like, a, is that a thing? Is it people are actually referring to this now? Absolutely. Yep. It's happening. Yeah, it's happening. It's, it's amazing. That's incredible. And I don't remember the, the terms, you know, obviously I'm not a neuroscientist, but there's a, you know, prefrontal cortex component. There's like this kind of like um, midbrain component. And then deep in, there's another the third region, which is very rich in these dopamine receptors. And, um, and what you have is this flooding of dopamine. Mm. And um, so they're seeing these areas. So they're calling this the neurospiritual kind of loop or, or system. Yeah. Spiritual loop. Oh my God. And what's interesting is as if that wasn't interesting. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So so it it opens up the door to lots of questions. Um, Lots of questions is, and I don't know, is this, do you see this network activated with certain other systems? What if, what if somebody, you know, doesn't have a spiritual component to their life, not, not pushing anything on somebody, Mm -hmm. but just, it's an interesting thought. Yeah. Um, and if you use the term spiritual, is there, is there something to pursue that could improve the quality of your life? Mm. You know, mm. as you go through suffering or medical issues or, or try to figure out who you are, you know, all the different singleness, uh, everything, you know, all these different areas. So um, this is actually a structure and, and it's a big part of my book too. Mm-hmm. Um, working with the main character of my book, who is the sense of disorientation. Mm. um and that's relatable man (laughs) how do you reorient you know Mm -hmm. um so it's a fascinating this 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 you know this system this neuro spiritual system and then if you kind of back up a little bit then you have the 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 brain in itself and what the brain is trying to trying to do which Mm -hmm. you know i think is just a fascinating you know, we have something here that is priceless, mm-hmm. our brains. Mm-hmm. We don't even understand it. What, what, what the brain can do, what the brain can create, what the brain can, what, how dysfunctional the brain can, what, what addiction mm-hmm. can do to the brain. You know, yeah. an appreciation of an, of an organ system that we really can change, you know, with the concept of neuroplasticity that neurons that fire together, wire together, right? Yeah. We can change these parts of our brain to some degree. Mm. What an exciting concept mm. that is. Mm. And that's a fairly new concept as I understand it. Yeah, which we is- brain. We have a brain that you can, you can shape and change. Um, and what I think is cool, Gabe, is that you can select environments. Mm. This environment suits me better. This job suits me better. Mm. This spouse, this person, this food, mm-hmm. this drink, mm. all these things to enhance human consciousness, mm. <laughs> right? Mm. On, on, on a big scale. And, you know, we're both fans of Jordan Peterson. Mm-hmm. That, that's where we, what he's all about, right? Mm-hmm. And if, if, if one person does it and two, pers- two people, three people, 10 people are in, in, in improving their consciousness, you, you have a better world. Mm. right it's so true you have a better feeling individual and you have healthier homes healthier relationships healthier internal relationships 
Um, so, and it uh, all kind of stems and like starts with the brain. With, yeah, what's between our ears? And it is like you said, it's crazy that we have had this literally every day of our of our lives for as long as humans been alive, and we still have such a vague understanding of what like we do. A, a, a present in here mm. that's, that's made of this tissue, but it's mm -hmm. a gift. It's a present, and we have the ability, on some level, to mold it, to shape it. Sometimes positively. And sometimes negatively, you know, you look mm -hmm. at the influence, the role that, you know, addiction, what you see is a massive, massive neuroplastic changes with addiction. The brain kind of reorganizes around this reward of whatever mm -hmm. um, people have talked about the destructive nature of pornography mm -hmm. and what pornography can do. And I've read some brand books that have dealt with how that can shape the brain. Um, video games. Mm. video games can reshape and i'm not you know yeah. not saying bad or goodness i'm just saying it's something to think about and yeah. we have the opportunity to um be participants mm. in our own brain's development and growth that's a way to word that we have the opportunity to be participants in our brain's development and growth wow no game if you, you you know it, it you know, I'm listening. There's a, a number of people that come to my mind. One, one guy is named B.J. Fogg, mm -hmm. and he's a um, neuroscientist, and he works with out in Stanford University. Has written some books about how the brain changes and wires. It's some something for people to think about. Everybody talks about habits. Take 30 days. He, and he, his research is absolutely not. You can form a habit, a new habit, in a heartbeat in a second. Mm -hmm. All depends on the dopamine response that you get in that moment. Come on, come he says on. you can have a new habit. It doesn't take 30 days. It can take a mm. second. Mm. And what a concept. And, and, and he talks about that can happen negatively or that mm. can happen positively. Mm. Um, and his work is obviously to try to encourage people to rewire their own brains mm -hmm. with respect to habits that they want to get leverage on so they can improve their quality of th their life mm. i.e what we would call spirituality right so right. actually to kind of tie this in you mentioned something earlier and i'm intrigued you said uh the the neuro spiritual what is that new realm that they're talking about right yeah. um this neuro spiritual connection and you said uh when people pray specifically there is this release of dopamine this intense release of dopamine in the brain um that in alone like you were saying before the, the implications of that are crazy pretty crazy pretty crazy why do you think that there is this release of dopamine i mean that that's that's a great question the writer in me because i'm not a scientist the writer the the creator in me says and, and and my work as a trainer says that inherently you know what does the brain want mm. you could you could use the word control but as as a as a species we're here and the environments are there and the basic basic level the brain wants to breathe right doesn't want to fall mm. and it wants to maximize pleasure and minimize pain mm -hmm. But guess what, Gabe? We don't live in a world that is going to do that for us. Mm. Depending on 
But when you grew up, you grew up a long time ago, you had animals chasing you down, you had bears, you had, you lived in a hostile world, mm. right? Right. In a sense, yeah. literally, yeah, for sure. you had to hunt, you had to fight off the cold and the weather. You didn't, you know, so prayer is an opportunity for the brain to submit to a higher power and to <laughs> offer and, and to petition to a being that has ultimate control over the environment and thereby giving the brain a mooring, an anchor to say, okay, I'm not lost. I'm not alone. Um, this higher power was with me. She's with me. However you want to con conceive that. Sure. Um, and I'm not alone. And I can be safe. Mm. Right. And I think the brain likes that. Mm. Just my opinion. I think the brain gives the brain a, a very extremely valuable commodity, which is you're safe. You yeah. can be safe. Yeah. If somebody who cares is somebody who can intervene in your circumstances, intervene in your life. And that is a pretty comforting mm. thought. And I think it, what it does is, you know, the different types of nervous system, you have the sympathetic nervous system, which is this fight flight, you know, and I think prayer helps to take away that kind of fight or flight and puts it enables somebody to access the parasympathetic nervous system, which is kind of rest and digest nervous system in a sense of calm, mm, a sense of like, peace in the storm. By like relinquishing that control, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Fascinating. Oh, so that's... I think that might be a reason why, If again, that's the writer in me. I, I would say that would be my theory anyway. From like... From like a historical perspective, that seems to make sense, right? Because um, if we think about it, like our bodies, um, so I actually just created a video on this um, last week, um, our bodies, we hate rejection, okay? When you think about rejection, like that is like instinctively terrifying. Why? If you think about it, it's because our brains have been wired over hundreds, thousands of years to associate rejection with death. And if you think about it, if we're in, if we were in these like tribes, 150, 200 people, whatever it is, right. And then you're in that tribe, you belong, you're safe because anything outside of that tribe can't hurt you. There's safety in numbers. But if that tribe rejects you, if that tribe pushes you out, you no longer have that safety. Then you're a saber tooth snack, essentially. Like you can be hit taken from any of the elements I, I, I agree and i think you know for, and a lot of neuroscientists are you know come from this evolutionary standpoint of of just that yeah mm. you need a tribe to survive mm. and yeah rejection and i think a lot of these reflexes that you you're you know you're talking about these are reflexes mm. no difference you hit the knee and the knee goes you, know, mm. you see rejection and this is a great, you know, opportunity to talk about neuros, neuroplasticity. Rejection, rejection comes to us how sensory information through the eye, sometimes the face, mm -hmm. verbally, we hear it, sure, we feel it. Somebody can distance themselves. These are all sensory experiences sometimes, mm -hmm. and 
comes up through the spinal cord and comes to the auditory cor cortex. The brain's trying to, you know, reorganize. What do I do with this? Mm. And that happens so fast. Mm. Somebody can make a face mm. and you feel rejected immediately. Mm. And that's where a lot of therapies um, to help people rewire this response mm. that, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy comes into mind. Um, certainly any spiritual tradition comes into mind um, that gives you a little bit of space in between perception of rejection, mm -hmm. brains tagging it as a threat mm. and selecting patterns of behavior for you. Mm. Everybody's different. Some people yeah. see that pull back. Some people yell and scream, mm. but it happens fast. Fast. So so that is, that's so yeah, fast. And that's the thing too. So if that's happening fast, that becomes a pattern. Mm -hmm. Neurons mm -hmm. fire together, wire together. Mm -hmm. And so there, there you have the basic mechanisms for, in my opinion, again, as a writer, as a creator, and as an experiencer in the human condition, anxiety, mm -hmm. depression, mm -hmm. um, all kinds of problems that we all face. Um, and there are certain situations people have, a, you know, a panic attack and not even know what's going on, mm. but their bodies do, their bodies are getting sensory information. And so any, any space you can get from the sensory information to the processing of that sensor to then the response mm -hmm. by somebody a little bit of time mm -hmm. to create a new circuit in the brain, mm -hmm. um, to lay down a new circuit to select a different response. Mm, come on, come on. Now that's so fascinating. So uh, how familiar are you with like affirmations and like the science and study behind that? You know, I haven't really studied it, but just just on my own, my own intuition and common sense mm -hmm. would say very powerful, mm -hmm. extremely powerful. Mm. Okay, so fantastic. Um, I'm gonna go on like a rant here. This is a, this is a, a you know, we're talking about spirituality. Let's talk about the Christian context. Which I okay. probably yeah. More than one. yeah. Um, affirmation one, there's a God. Mm. Affirmation two, he created me. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's take, let's sure. take yeah. those two. Yeah. So from the Christian standpoint, you have a triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit loving themselves, delighting in themselves. And they say, we want to extend this love but, and bring somebody else into this love, mm. into this dance, into this, in this garden environment. And we want to create Gabe. Mm. We want to love Gabe, Matt. Bring them into this. Give them gifts and give them talents. Uh, give them a future. Give them a purpose. Give them a hope. That's an affirmation. Certainly. So if somebody wakes up in the morning, even if they don't feel it, but they affirm it, mm. I'm, and this is just the Christian concept, right? You say, yeah, right. God loves me. He created me today has purpose. Mm. Even if I don't mm. feel it, Ooh. that's going to be a different brain. Yep. Yep. Those neuroplastic networks are going to mm -hmm. change because that person is going to say, I'm not captive by my mood. Mm -hmm. my mood is my mood isn't my ultimate authority mm. you know and protestants have been talking about this for 500 years sola scriptura 
scripture alone is the ultimate authority. Mm-hmm. I wake up, what's my ultimate authority? My mood? Mm-mm. The word of God. Mm-hmm. I'm created in God. God loves me. I have a purpose. I have a plan. Those are all affirmations. Those are beliefs. And people who believe that, what do we talk about? Have a higher potential, this dopamine response. Mm-hmm. I feel better that I have a hope. I feel better that I'm created by, I'm, you know, like you said, I'm not at the, the whim of saber tooth tigers, mm-hmm. right? You know, back mm-hmm. to your, I, there is a tribe for me. God has created a tribe called the church for me. Mm-hmm. Those are affirmations and people who, people who hold to those affirmations, their brains are going to be different base if they're healthy brains. Right. Yeah. Then if somebody who wakes up and says, uh, I'm nothing, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a, I'm a product of blind force plus time. Mm-hmm. When I die, nothing happens. I have no real purpose on life. Mm-hmm. I have all these things going on inside of me. I don't want to go to work. I don't want to go to school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like my life. Don't like my parents. When I drink, I feel better. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Yep. Go have sex. I feel better when I, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. All these things that that's a different brain. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not judging either one. Yeah. Yeah. But you have different, you, you're going to have different brains. And the brain over here that has no affirmation, like you said, mm-hmm. put that under a clock and say, brain plus no affirmation plus 10 years. Mm-hmm. What's that brain look like? And then over here, if you have brain plus affirmation plus 10 years, mm-hmm. what's that brain going to look like? You are touching into something so powerful right now. And Gabe, and you can see it, you know, with this um, imaging and brain mapping, mm-hmm. let's say addiction. You, you can, we can literally see now five years of addiction. You see a brain that's been peppered. There are chunks missing mm-hmm. in terms of the electrical firing in that brain. Um, so we can see it now. Mm-hmm. And we, we, have, we have an opportunity. Um, and affirmations, I firmly believe, are so powerful. Yeah. They are. So um, I personally, just from my personal experience, um, like I've heard of affirmations and obviously pretty much everyone has. And it, I went through um, a really intense breakup back in September. Um, three years with this girl. I loved to pieces. I thought I was going to marry her. Um, and then it turns out I just, I wasn't ready. I wasn't at a point where I could. And it's weird how that can happen, even though you still love someone, but that's a different conversation. Um, after the breakup, I um, went in this like deep spiral, right? Like I I went to cookie dough. That was, that was like my only comfort. You know, those tubs of cookie dough? Yep. Yeah. Sure. I eat a, a, with a spoon right out of the tub. Like that was my life for, Ooh. yeah. Yep. Yeah. That was all I did for about a month, um, really intense. And then I went through and I had this experience. I think we talked about it um, at Starbucks, but um, I went through this experience and I, essentially I realized that if I kept going down that way, I was exactly like you said, like I was setting myself up for a long-term addiction that was going to spiral my life. Yep. And what kind of jocked me out of it or brought me out of it were these affirmations that I, I studied these affirmations. I was like, okay, right now, if I just keep letting life happen, then I am setting myself up down a path that I know I don't want to go down. But if I kind of take control of my life, 
and I speak to my brain and speak to my mind in a way that it understands, then things are going to change. And that's where I set up these affirmations. Um, and I like, I had this whole system. So I'm going to dive into some of the science here because I think you're going to love it. And I think it'll, I think it'll be super sweet. Um, so the reason why affirmations are so powerful is exactly what you said. You have this external stimuli that's happening, right? Um, and our brains, yet they process, there's an external stimuli, but we aren't responding to that stimuli. We're actually just, resp we're responding to the meaning or the interpretation of that stimuli, like you had said before, right? So like something happens and then our brains see it. We process it, whatever sense it is, right? Whatever sense experiences it, we experience it, we process it, and then we interpret a meaning to that. And it's to that meaning, exactly, to that meaning, that's what we're actually responding to, not necessarily the situation. And so with the, where the power of affirmations come in is they do exactly what you were talking about, where they put that space between um, the what's actually happening and then the meaning that you're attributing it to that actual experience can i can i yeah oh absolutely here i don't want to i don't want to get in, in your <laughs> i love it um yeah creating creating that space um and you know a lot of times you talk about um in this kind of prefrontal cortex here what they call executive function mm. uh this is the part of the brain that had just what you said it has ability it's kind of like looking at the different parts and you know people call this mindfulness they call it lots of things but there's an independent gabe now mm -hmm. looking at gabe eating the cookie dough ice cream mm -hmm. you know uh and a lot of traditions they call that the witness yeah oh right so you have an internal witness to witness what's happening and that is the basis for self-awareness mm -hmm. you don't have a witness in, you know, in your own head to witness what's going on in here, then how can you ever, if those are one, you're always responding and reacting, right? Mm -hmm. There's always this, um, but when you, an affirmation, breathing, breathing can do it too, mm -hmm. um, but you're creating that space and eventually something else is born. Mm -hmm. And that is executive control mm -hmm. where you're able to look at your behavior with some space and say, let's think about this. Let's give this, I push us out five years, push us out, um, which is, which is a fascinating thing in and of itself, because what you're using to what you're witnessing, and that's where, again, this goes off in a million different ways. Mm -hmm. This tells me a lot about Gabe in terms of self-awareness. This tells me consequences matter to Gabe, mm -hmm. right? So if somebody's in, in, in a business, if I know you, Gabe, then I can talk to you about consequences. You know, you just revealed something about yourself and in a way you broke a habit because you were able to look at consequences mm. and what it's going to mean to you because you developed this witness through this affirmation process. And you were able to take this neuroplastic environment and shift it mm -hmm. and literally tear these apart and go in different directions. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. That is and then amazing. lay down new directions. You can still have cookie dough ice cream, yeah. but eating it every day, the consequences aren't worth it, mm. you know? Mm -hmm. and, and that goes to also to, I think, and I'm probably pushing it too far out, but it's just the way my mind can think sometimes. That's we that. have these subconscious drivers or biases, mm -hmm. which is what BJ Fogg works on a lot too, 
we have these biases that are driving our behavior that we don't even know they're driving our behavior. Mm. You know, one mm. of the great examples, I sit in a church or in a room, I always sit in the back. Mm-hmm. I always sit in the back. Mm-hmm. I don't care where I am. I always sit in the back. I want to be in the back. Why? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's an unconscious bias, mm-hmm. probably because some part of me wants to, in case I don't feel safe, Easy I can jump. Yep. These biases are shaping so many of our decisions, whether we're, you know, social media. So, you know, mm. and again, that's where developing this witness part, which you did to be able to look and be able to unpeel some of the biases. I, I know they've identified at least 60 biases. Mm. And these biases will shape us for weeks, years, months, our whole lives, unless mm. we're aware of these biases. And, and also aware of these orientations of the brain too. Now, one of the things that I struggled with and I never knew was um, just recently, probably within the last three or four years, I was diagnosed with ADHD. Mm-hmm. What? I can't tell you the relief because mm-hmm. I didn't buy it at first, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I did the research and I looked at brain imaging. And I looked at ADD, AD, and, and the loss of executive function mm-hmm. or diminished executive function in the yeah. part of the brain that was just going everywhere. All over. You the see place. it right now. I'm just all over the map. <laughs> um, but there are good parts to it. Oh, yeah. But when I knew that, my witness then could say, how do I, how do I take this and use it? Mm-hmm. How do I make this orientation benefit me? Come on. What environments are going to benefit me? What, mm-hmm. what subjects will benefit me? And guess what, Gabe? Mm-hmm. What do I say no to? Mm-hmm. And who do I say no to? You know, that's yeah. a different life. That's a completely different life. Yeah. And that's, that's the Kafka quote. And I started writing. So now I had some outlet for all these thoughts and ideas and um, mm-hmm. to get it out there. But, but to your point, in terms of affirmations and in terms of developing a witness, mm-hmm. getting some space mm. has profound implications for a number of mm. things that haunt the human condition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I always love the way you word things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> things that haunt the human condition. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Though just take anxiety mm. and haunting PTSD, mm. every one of these depression, um, addiction these are all neuroplastic phenomena you know mm-hmm. these are all neuroplastic changes you have rejection you know mm-hmm. you've said and and um so many different things that 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 haunt us and shape us mm-hmm. um, the the hope is we can we can change some of these things mm-hmm. um with neuroplasticity when we have an, when we have that witness you know and i think how that links maybe with spirituality. Again, back to the Christian standpoint is um, in theology, they've often talked about the Holy Spirit as a witness mm-hmm. that's given to the Christian. And you start to link up what, yeah. Oh, this is starting to click. Oh my God. So in the Christian concept, you add an additional witness. So you have, oh my God. yeah, the stuff that's going on in your brain you have your witness and then you have the presence of another witness within that dynamic. Um, 
and then you're talking about a complete um, transformation of, of, and you know, again, with the dopamine receptors, yeah, the, the, the theology of the Holy Spirit, when you come to neuroscience, yeah, because again, I understand the Christian concept more, yeah, yeah, is that's where it gets pretty crazy. Let's uh, and dive I, into John, this. John Calvin, John Calvin talked a lot about the internal witness of the Spirit. Okay. Think about that. The okay. internal witness of the Spirit. And Calvin said the role of the Spirit was to authenticate mm-hmm. the truth that God had revealed. Mm-hmm. And what is that but an affirmation? Mm. <laughs> you know, your your Gabe, the spirit, Gabe's eating his ice cream. I'm lost. I've my heart's broken. I've lost somebody. God loves you, Gabe. He's in control of your life. The best is yet to come, right? So this is internal, relational component in Christianity. Where, and I only say that because again, it's what I know. Yeah. That there's an internal witness there that is activated specifically when the individual right goes to their tribe i'm struggling well let's pray right mm. i'm struggling well this verse in the bible helped me and that witness uses that material to help help us navigate these kind of valleys these horrible valleys in our life mm. so it's a profound neuroplastic relational dynamic yeah. of the, the the work of the holy spirit and the christian concept so that's something i like you you've known me for years so like you know like I, i've done a lot of i love intense study i love deep study i love theology philosophy um just like you we have many of these conversations and the i am blown away that i have never heard of two things that you've already mentioned today many things but two in particular one the term the witness being used for that kind of executive control. Um, that's that as a framework or, or that as a term, terminology is new. Um, and then the other is the connection be, of the Holy Spirit being the witness, which in Christianity, that that's a common terminology, but the connection between that and the idea of the witness and executive control within the brain. Yeah. Let me add another level. Okay. So, okay. So a couple of verses come to mind. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm going to speak in the Christian context. Yeah. And I'm not pushing this. Okay. It's just, yeah. it's what I know. It's how I think. Right. Exactly. And I'm, and I'm not a great Christian either. I'll, let's put that out. <laughs> I struggle and I'm a mess. I am. I'm a great sinner and he's a great savior. Mm-hmm. Put that out there. But the work of the spirit in the Christian concept is to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Face of Christ. Okay. Just processing all of that right now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Light of the knowledge. So that is his, and Christ said, the spirit will testify of me. Mm. So the spirit is in his ministry is trying to show us something so beautiful. Mm. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Mm. He's trying to show us the beauty and the glory of God mm. in the face of Christ. That 
we are loved. We are broken, but we are loved mm -hmm. to the point where he shed his blood and died on a cross. He's trying to show us beauty. Mm -hmm. What's truly beautiful? What's the most beautiful thing in the world? What's the most lasting thing in the world? And this goes to a lot of Jonathan Edwards. Mm. One, you know, Jonathan Edwards, you know, sinners in the hands of an angry God. Um, <laughs> That's actually one of my favorite books. It, it, yeah. 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 You know what? I think some theologians have kind of like one of his first or second word he used the most was sweetness. Mm. Not brimstone, not fire, not but sweetness. Mm. Edwards knew what the Bible was saying, the spirit is trying to show us what's sweet, what's sweet to the soul. Mm. Cookie dough is sweet mm -hmm. to their taste buds, but the spirit is trying to witness to us what is satisfying and sweet to the soul, which is the glory of God in the face of Christ. Mm. Now, there's that. Mm -hmm. And some of the neuroscience that I've read, the most profound neurological game changer to the brain is love. Mm. Mm. the game changer mm. so here yeah. we have the spirit trying to say you're loved you're broken but you're loved yeah you've done this god's forgiven you you're loved a great future ahead of you that is the ultimate game changer and the ultimate brain changer that there is mm. love and that's what the spirit in terms of the spirituality of yeah. what the witness of the spirit to witness to you mm -hmm. so we can look back down into ourselves and say, mm -hmm. we can keep going. God mm -hmm. loves us. God cares about we're broken. Yeah. We're struggling. Yeah. But we can keep going. We can keep mm -hmm. fighting. I have a gift and a talent and you know, all these, all these things. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's, that's how I think of neuroscience and spirituality and the role of the spirit and how the gospel is. Now let me add another level. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, I'm already loving this. Like, let's, let's do it. When the Bible reveals mm -hmm. the work of, and, I, and I'm into this Gabe because I'm writing about this. Mm. Everybody's afraid to talk about the devil. Right. Mm -hmm. But when you're mm -hmm. writing a book on horror, which I am <laughs> yep. right. We've talked about this. The Bible is the ultimate horror story. Yep. Yep. The ultimate story of the whole book is an exorcism. Mm. Right. Yeah. But the work of, of the evil one or Satan or the adversary, lots of terms in scripture for this is to obscure the glory of God in the face of Christ is to blind though. Paul uses the term blind the minds. Mm -hmm. That's neuroscience. Mm -hmm. Christ in the, in the Christian standpoint, mm -hmm. Christ isn't beautiful. Christ is ugly. Mm -hmm. Sin won't hurt you. Mm -hmm. It will help you. Mm. Confusion, twisting mm. the truth, um, twisting. Uh, the, you know, it, it, it's fascinating too because in in how the Old Testament uh, opens up with God creating order and structure. You know, day one, day two, day three. You know, goes from chaos to order. Mm. But the role of Satan in in the Bible would be to reverse that, to go from order to chaos. Mm -hmm. How? By obscuring the fact that you're loved by God. You know? Wow. God doesn't love me. 
God hates me. Mm-hmm. Look at my circumstances. Look at my mood. I've been there. I can, yeah. I can, I can talk about that. I've fallen for that trap for a lot of years, but this is, that's a different conversation. Oh yeah. But... Um, so in the Christian concept, and we talk about spirituality, we have these opposing factors pushing in on our souls and in our minds. Paul mm-hmm. says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. mind. Yeah. You're talking yeah. about neuroplasticity without talking about neuroplasticity. Yes. We have these two things fighting. Don't we feel that every day? Oh, every day. Tell me that's not relatable. Mm-hmm. You know, the flesh and the spirit working. And do I want to look at this? Kind of, but I shouldn't. Do I want to eat this? Do I want to drink this? Do I want to go here? Do I want to go there? Mm. This, this, this kind of battle um, for our minds. Yeah. Um, and again, that's all part of this intersection between, I would say, um, at least from, from a Christian standpoint. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is Eastern, Eastern religions too. Okay, you know, yeah. uh, we have you know, and I'm not as familiar with those traditions, but you know, some of the tenets of Buddhism, all life is suffering. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's an affirmation, right? Mm-hmm. And to to suffer less, we need to want more. Mm. It's our ego that's the problem. Yep. Yep. Even in, so let's take that tradition. Yep. Yep. Yeah. There's a lot of truth to that. Isn't there? Yeah. I was just yeah. having I want, you know, Tolkien's yeah. the ring. I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. Wow. Mm. And here comes Buddhism to say, that's the root problem. Mm. You want a ring, right? <laughs> Gollum, mm. Gollum, this creature wanted a ring so bad. What malformed him and malshaped him? And I know in literature and whenever you have um, and especially in medieval theology, they talked about this term rectitude and rectitude okay. was uprightness. And, and they would often talk about sin as a loss of rectitude, which was disorganization. Interesting. Again, we go from order to chaos. Mm-hmm. So you have Gollum in this chaotic form, right? His, his posture is a mess. He, is he an animal? I don't know. Is he human? I don't know. Is he hot? He's just a mess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, a loss of rectitude because he wants something so bad. Mm. So, you, you know, you, if you use the token and kind of Eastern philosophy, wow, that's a pretty powerful concept mm. too. Um, mm. That my wanting and wanting and wanting and wanting is the root of a lot of my suffering and pain. Yeah. I was literally just having this conversation with someone yesterday um, with, uh, yeah, a family member going through this exact uh, line of processing. And it's, it's so fascinating how our pain can be associated, like how we can cause our own pain, essentially, um, which we always, we tend to think that, oh, if I'm in pain, it's because of circumstances, because of other things and other people. Um, and it's a very fascinating when you realize that it, when you are in pain, you are also, you are one responsible for at least a portion of that pain, if not majority of it. And two, you are also responsible for overcoming it and for fi- maybe changing your perspective, changing your perception, pushing through, finding your ways to get out. I, I mean, my brain just went off. I mean, you, you, what you just said is so, so, po- uh, yeah. Um, I'm trying to redirect and not go. <laughs> Yeah, and I think in Eastern, as I understand some of the tenets of Eastern philosophy, you have meditation. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I've studied that a lot. And mm. the goal to develop the witness is breathing, a breathing practice, a breathing discipline that helps you create this space, right? It's mm -hmm. a very similar dynamic, create a space between a witness here who can look down inside of the soul and say, you know what, you want too many things. Mm -hmm. You want them too fast. You want mm -hmm. them too much. You're not aware of who you are. You, you know, calm down, Yeah. breathe. Yeah. And on that aspect, I could talk a lot about that too, but the relationship between meditation and breathing on the brain is a prof absolutely profound um, influencer on the brain. I've seen it so many different ways. I've seen it physically. I've experienced it um, when I did, was going through a lot of breathing practice. I mean, it changed my perception. It, it helped me out so much mm. to slow things down. Um, so that's a big part of neuroscience too and spirituality is an offshoot of that is, you know, practice. You can look at the Christian concepts, uh, the, the concept of meditation mm -hmm. um, being a profound shaper on, on the brain and, mm -hmm. and really shutting down the sympathetic activity, the fight or flight, and helping somebody to access the parasympathetic. Like you said, if somebody's perceives they've been rejected, the sensory stuff comes in, the thalamus tags it. And the, the part of the brain that tags this stuff is the thalamus says, you've been rejected. Right. That goes to the, the amygdala that says, I've been rejected. And that has, through the vagus nerve, can go pretty much in the whole body, right? Mm -hmm. Person has a breathing practice, right? A spiritual practice. You, uh, you could be an atheist for that matter, but soon as the witness senses, I don't feel right. Mm -hmm. You know, let's just breathe for a second. Just mm -hmm. breathe. And you, you're able to regulate the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. Because when you're in the sympathetic system, and that system goes to your eyes, it goes to your adrenal glands, it goes to your stomach, it goes to your brain, it goes to your ears, it goes to your really through your face muscles. Um, and if you can, by breathing a breathing practice, you can kind of go parasympathetic. Um, you're going to be, you know, much more able to navigate whatever it is you're trying to navigate. And, you're, mm -hmm. and I've gone recently some pretty strong personal challenges mm -hmm. where a breathing practice has been mm -hmm. hugely un helpful. unbelievable. And you know who? Uh, so I get some of this from some Navy SEAL training. Mm -hmm. You know, just the way I'm wired, Gabe. If yeah. if if you could have a, a master in Buddhism come and tell me this. And it'd be like, mm -hmm. I'm trying to listen because the way I'm wired, you tell me a Navy SEAL. Yeah. <laughs> instructors the way I work. I'm going to listen to the SEAL because of the way I'm wired. For sure. So some of these Navy SEALs have, have, have written books talking about the importance of meditation mm -hmm. um, and how they've used them in training SEALs and to, um, and I've had some pretty crazy experiences with meditation. Mm -hmm. Time, time shifting, out-of-body experiences, weird things that have happened to me. Um, I don't know what they mean. Right. Intuitional growth. We've yeah. talked a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. um, from breathing. It's, it's so odd how something so common, something we do without even thinking, when we're intentional about it, we have experiences that we can't understand. We, we visit, we don't know 
why? We don't know. No. I, and I've talked to, I have a, I, somebody I talked to about some issues that I struggle with and we've talked about meditation. And I, I told him I, I had literally an out of, out of body experience once meditating. Mm, yeah. And he said, isn't that the goal? But that's the goal. <laughs> and I said, can you, and he, he's very, knows neuroscience. He's a psychiatrist. And he mm. said, you know, basically we don't, we don't know why this stuff happens. Mm. But in that moment, when I'm kind of hovering, there's no tension in my body. Yeah. There's yeah. no, I, I'm lifted and relaxed and in a different, some, some different thing. I don't know what it is. Yeah. That doesn't happen. What's funny, Gabe, is that's happened maybe three times to me. Mm. But if I don't have a practice, it never happens. Mm. If I'm not practicing my breathing, I, it, it won't happen. And I'll f- I even find like, if I'm in a breathing practice and I start to kind of do some breathing and meditating, within two or three minutes, I'm kind of in this kind of deep relaxation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I'm not doing it as a practice, I'm, my brain is still monkey brain. Mm. And I'm having to fight to reestablish that place again, which is, again, that's, that's neuroplasticity as well. Yeah. So Um, I want to take this into a slightly different turn. Um, And I want to ask about uh, our physical body because we're touching on it and I want to get a little more direct here. So like, I know that there is a mind body connection. This is something for years I struggled with. Like the idea in, again, in Christianity um, of like, okay, when you pray, uh, I always felt like I needed to get on, like physically get on my knees and pray. And I never knew why. So I never did. Um, But exactly only in the last like year or two, I've been studying like, okay, what happens to your brain? And obviously what happens to your brain? What happens to your emotions when you physically change your body, the posture, the position that you're in. Um, and I know you have a lot more wisdom in that than I do. So, um, yeah, I, I, I can talk about <laughs> my, I spent the last, you know, five or six years, this has been my main topic, mm. helping people with, um, let me give you one example of, of how I've seen this work. Um, client um, going through a lot of stuff, a lot of anxiety. Um, and so, it, and for me, a client is always a, a person in a context. Mm, mm-hmm. Very important. Their context is just as important as their, their identity and temperament as, as you work with somebody, especially mm. if you're dealing with weird pain issues or movement yeah, issues. For sure. And so I do some work, and I'm just at the beginning levels of this, but doing some work with visual integration and postural shifts. Mm. And so this one client... And I have multiple levels that I can do this with people. It's kind of fascinating. Um, but she was having a lot of anxiety and that was showing up. So the mind was anxious because of the circumstances, right? A loss of control. And so that creates a neuromuscular presentation, right? Always in the face first, because the cranial nerves are coming out and you can always see Facial presentation, you know, when I see with a client, the first thing I do is I look at their face. Mm-hmm. It tells me so much about what's happening about them. And it, what's going on? How are you? It, yeah. it cues me to what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so not only the face, but it, but it affects the respiration of the diaphragm. And we could talk about that for hours. But um, and this client had 
um, and I do these tests to see if the literally gave if the bones are in the right position. Mm. So let's say a side bend. You know, mm. I'll take people. I always check these clients side bend here, side bend there. I don't see that. Mm-hmm. There's usually a breathing issue, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. So this client had all these issues and we, I intervened on a certain level and there was no change in my tests. So I realized it was a deeper mind body issue. Mm-hmm. So I shut the lights out. Weird, right? Mm-hmm. Intervene. Some changes. Mm-hmm. I had them close their right eye because mm-hmm. we're always referencing reality through this right eye. Have them close their right eye, open their left, had them turn their head to the right, look to the left, right? I put my hand on the right arch and my, my other hand on their left heel. Mm. And I just had them feel it. Feel these reference centers shifting. Mm. We did that for two or three minutes and all of the tests changed. Every single test changed. And she said, what did you do? I feel so much less stress. You can see it in her face. Um, basically, I mean, I, I, I'm not qualified necessarily to say, I'm not sure any, who anybody is, but mm-hmm. you had a psychological environment creating a physical presentation that I was seeing through my tests, right? But the physical presentation was feeding back into the brain mm-hmm. another level of anxiety, another level of tension. Mm-hmm. Underlying the whole thing was loss of a reference center, psychologically and physically. And the nervous system, because the brain had no reference center, this person doesn't love me, this person doesn't love me, right? I'm rejected back to what you were saying. These fundamental biases, needs aren't being met, you know, twisting the body up. Why? To find a reference center, to prepare for a battle, to prepare for tension so they can find a new tribe. So they, you know what I mean saying? to find a way to fix this problem. I see that, but this is causing all kinds of muscular problems, breathing problems, tension problems. And when we gave the person, you know, a reference point, my battery's getting low here. When we gave the person a reference point, mm-hmm. physically, mm-hmm. everything everything fell back into place. Mm-hmm. And all, all, literally the bones, bones shifted. I'm just gonna plug this Yeah, go right ahead. That is crazy to think. And when, with all my clients, I'm always checking these positions to see how their nervous system is, their mind-body connection is. Mm. So the mind-body connection is neurological. It's a neuromuscular phenomena. Um, and what we're perceiving here has a profound Im- implications for what we, what we experience in our body. And in another level, that was why I'm so such a kind of, not only my experience, but what I've seen with self-awareness is um, some people more and em- em- empaths, I guess you'd say, mm-hmm. these are people who feel a lot more. Mm-hmm. Their amygdala is uh, introverts, another subset of a brain orientation. The people literally feel more per day, on, the, on the day they, mm-hmm. everything comes at them. They have a hard time filtering. Mm-hmm. They see somebody's face and it appears that they don't like them and they feel the emotions and it fits in, you know, it impacts their body. So you have some clients who have a mind body connection that's profound. Mm-hmm. Then you see some clients, their mind body connection isn't as, as profound 
because there may, some of them, some clients are very cerebral mm. and they're able to digest stuff in their head and exclude stuff very quickly. Mm. Uh, that, that person made a face at me, but has nothing to do with me mm. versus that person made a face at me. They don't like me. Mm. Two different brains, right? Yeah. Two different yeah. presentations. Yeah. So yes, there's absolutely a mind body connection and it, it, it's affecting every one of us every single day in ways we don't even know. And every, there's also a gauge. Some people have a really profound mind-body connection. Some people have less of that in terms of their psychological mm. um, presentation. That is so unbelievably so fascinating. Yeah, I've seen so many. I've changed people's bones by meditation. Uh, can you explain? Can you, can you explain? Yeah, so this is the same, same dynamic. If I sense a client is heavily in their sympathetic nervous system, I have lots of ways I can try to affect their neurology. Sure. Um, I sometimes I just go for the low hanging fruit, right? Um, I put them in positions, mm-hmm. sometimes more like fetal positions. I get their back to flex slightly. I get their chin. I get them reaching a little bit. I get their pelvis tucked in. Sometimes you can shut the lights off and take a nice deep breath in through your nose and out through your mouth. And I'm always testing clients before and after these. And sometimes you just get, give somebody three to five minutes space, mm. right? slow everything down. And when they get in that parasympathetic nervous system, um, they're, they're, literally their bones will change shape because the muscles, especially the cranial and the neck, um, you know, let's say like this, this big muscle here, sternocleidomastoid. And a lot of people have a, really developed right one and the left one isn't mm. referencing reality here for stability mm. and if this is tight it's going to sh- you know it'll shift the neck down here and it can create impingement in some of the facet joints so they go over here and they can't move their neck or if they go over here they get stuck pinches and, and so some of that for some people is the mind body mm. if you intervene that way and sometimes you get people to meditate you'll see next open right up mm. what you're doing is changing bone position by intervene by 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 having a conversation with the nervous system and you're basically saying to the nervous system you're safe mm-hmm. you're okay mm-hmm. you're all right you're doing it through breathing sometimes you're doing it with um very unique postural positions Sometimes long exhales, really long exhales with a hold. Um, and you're basically telling the nervous system you're okay. Because again, if people are mouth breathing and it's just sympathetic, meaning it's the part of the nervous system that's fight or flight. Eyes are tense, ears are tense, jaws tense, necks tense, back hurts, <laughs> right? Okay. Having a hard time, brain fog, having a hard time regulating their thoughts, mm-hmm. right? And that mind body connection sometimes just usually I use breathing mm. and it changes bones. It changes the bone positions. That is wild. Yeah. That is unbelievably wild. So for me, it's been this entrance into this world of neurology mm-hmm. of, and you know, funny Gabe, funny, funny, funny. Uh, I worked with somebody, a prominent leader, mm-hmm. very, with a lot of responsibility, very well known. Um, with a lot of responsibility. 
And I was talking to him and he said that he's been having a lot of problems. So we worked on his position and this is just fascinating. I repositioned his rib cage. I got his diaphragm moving and all of his joints started opening up. Mm. And guess what he said? What? He said, I feel so relaxed. Fair enough. And he said, but I don't like it. Yeah. I, under, I actually very much relate to that. And I said, so tell me about it. So yeah. what I am uncovering as a trainer, as a coach, mm -hmm. is a bias, a mm -hmm. psychological bias, at least as far as I know, yeah. to rigidity, to yeah. stiffness, yeah. toughness. So what's going on with that? Mm -hmm. If you want to tell me. Um, I grew up, alcoholic family. Mm -hmm. I was fighting constantly. Mm -hmm. And he said, I, I think that I developed this posture. Yeah. Yeah. Said, I don't feel safe, relaxed. Yeah. Wow. Big, it's a big deal. And somebody yeah. was having a lot of symptomology, meaning mm -hmm. they're in a lot of pain, mm -hmm. having a lot of issues in their life. Their quality of life is being diminished because they can't turn off. Mm -hmm. They can't, they can't go into the parasympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. And when I put them in the parasympathetic nervous system, something in the brain says, I don't like this. Yeah, I actually, so I had a similar, a semi similar situation. Um, I want to say it was like a, almost two years ago. Um, so I was out uh, with um, a friend of mine, we were on vacation, right? And the, uh, this friend of mine has, um, these mushrooms and we were, we were doing so he's been doing micro doses for a long time. Um, and so I was like, sweet, I'm going to do a micro dose with you. And it was, it, it's not enough to like make you like hallucinate, not enough to actually give you a psychedelic thing. Um, Cause I'm sure you're pretty much, you're fairly aware of this stuff. Um, but it's yeah, just enough to essentially calm your mind, essentially like put you into a state where it like relaxes you. It was just like, 0.2 grams or something like nothing at all and i took it and i hated it yeah hate about it what, you what what did you hate about it exactly what your client said it made me feel relaxed and i hated it um and this was it was like two, he had taken it and a friend of ours that i was with as well took um them and like they were all just super relaxed almost like meditative and my brain had shut down it's like my brain just it was as if it was barely operating just much slower than normal everything was calm everything was rat relaxed and i hated it and i realized exactly very similar to what you said for me i had that cognitive i had that bias and for me the bias was your value comes from your brain yeah your value comes from are you able to think are you able to communicate that's where your value is and when I, that calmed down i felt like i wasn't valuable as a human yeah so you have this built-in you know paul would say we need you transform the renewing of your mind um that's that's a powerful thing so you, we have these spiritual biases cognitive biases the culture is telling us who we are you know and sometimes that's creating sympathetic tone. Mm -hmm. And so one, one of my experiences, long story short, I, um, with a friend was in the behavior unit at St. Mary's mm -hmm. um, and watching so many teenagers going in, presumably suicidal, going in. And almost all of them, 
gave had a presentation, a sympathetic presentation. Mm. I mean, all of them. There wasn't one that came in with this kind of like fetal position, uh, you know. Yeah. They were all like this. Mm. Rigid spines, rigid T-spines, forward head posture, you know, extended lower backs. Why? You know, and I'm, I'm seeing this, of course, there's all kinds of dynamics I'm not aware of. I'm not pretending I know or anything like that. But from a physical standpoint, I'm seeing physical presentation. Like if you saw an animal coming at you, it would have the similar presentation. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing human species walking in with these presentations like an animal attacking you. Mm-hmm. And they're living in these attack modes. Mm-hmm. There's a reason for that. Mm. right right cultures what the culture is saying what 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 you know what we believe uh, my beliefs are you know i've had some issues too gabe relating to that same you know where my effort is my identity and all this other stuff and that that goes to a whole other level in terms of spirituality too yeah. but um when people access that parasympathetic nervous system which you did um, and you, you're aware of that. It's, it's a very fascinating um, revelation for you in self-awareness. Mm-hmm. But I would say to you specifically, just a thought, not that you're looking for advice, but Bring it up. <laughs> parasympathetic activity, mm-hmm. the ability to switch from sympathetic to parasympathetic is parasympathetic is your creative place. Mm-hmm. If you can go in the parasympathetic nervous system, you're going to be a better creator, mm. a better problem solver. You're going to integrate better with a team. Mm. You're going to negotiate better. You're going to be more relaxed. You're going to sleep better. We need the sympathetic nervous system. Mm-hmm. Right? We just can't get stuck and live in the sympathetic mm. nervous system. And so yeah. sometimes I think, you know, our perceptions of what work is, um, What's going to make us better? Parasympathetic nervous system. If I'm going to put money on something, I'm putting money on the parasympathetic nervous system. Mm. I want my clients in the parasympathetic nervous system as much as possible and use that sympathetic nervous system when they need it, when somebody's Mm. chasing them. Yeah. But the most successful clients I know, Mm. um, and success is a vague term. Yeah. But some of the most successful clients I know, they're able to, their tolerance for stress is really high and they're able to stay more parasympathetic. In other words, that part of the nervous system is more calm. And, you know, if somebody gives you a a complex puzzle to solve and puts a stopwatch on it, you know, it's kind of stressful. If somebody gives you a puzzle to solve, solve this in three days, let's see how far you can get. Yeah. Okay. You're going to be more creative. Yeah. You're going to have better solutions. Right. So and true. so um, that's just an aside for you. Yeah. You know, where performance in your mind, I would really encourage you to explore the parasympathetic nervous system because mm-hmm. you're going to create better. You're going to have better problem solving skills. You're going to have better self-awareness, more access to the witness, your own internal witness. Yeah. Um, actually going to make you, you know, a better performer mm-hmm. in whatever it is you want to do. Yeah. That's, and then, and then we can have that. We bring in Eastern philosophy. Right. Gabe, you want too much. Mm-hmm. Calm down. Right. And, and over here, you have the, 
or you might want it too fast. Mm. That's mm-hmm. a problem for me. Yeah. And, and the Christian concept you have, your approval and acceptance is in Christ. Mm-hmm. So we have these, again, these spiritual ways to help us deal with these fundamental biases that really do shape us mm-hmm. in profound ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It to go that, right with that. I so appreciate that. Honestly, um, it's been, it's been a struggle. It's been a big struggle, like living in that balance. Um, and I have like, don't you think it's part of um, the culture we live in? Oh yeah. You know, being oh, yeah. constantly plugged in and, you know, I, and I know for me, I mean, I can, you know, you can go on Instagram, feel pretty good in 10 minutes, feel like shit. <laughs> it's so true. Because, you're not, you know, your likes aren't as high or this isn't as good. Mm-hmm. Is that, inst- that goes back to what you said. Those metrics are meaningless. Mm-hmm. I'm putting a meaning on those metrics. Mm-hmm. So that's a challenge for me to be like, you know, self-aware, do you, you do you. And that's the Gary V stuff too, you know, <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah. Um, and, and, to be more liberated from, from trying to control outcomes, Mm -hmm. which is the ultimate stressor. That really is. That really is. Mm -hmm. Um, and I hate to cut this off, but we are running out of time. Um, man, thank you so much. I so appreciate you taking the time to come on here. I have personally learned so much every time we talk, I do. You, I appreciate your time. I love you, Gabe. Um, I think the world of you and, um, Anytime. I hope I contributed something and it was great to talk to you either way. Dude, thank you. It has been a blast.